man, we have reached the milestone. It's all about the 45, right? Yeah. Time flies. Time does fly. 45 episodes on the trot. <laughs> In a row. In a row. Did you ever think that we'd come this far? <laughs> I don't know, actually. I mean, 45, it, it's actually 45 weeks. We talked about this before, and it's hard to say that it has been 45 weeks. It's nuts. And then we, like you said, we talked about it before. We've actually met once a week, or at least had a, a podcast once a week for 45 weeks solid so far. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty cool. It is. Now it's 145 next time. That's right. That's the next milestone, right? <laughs> it's just going to get bigger and bigger all the time. Yeah. Dang. I hope Dang. we're still talking to each other by then. I hope so. I hope we have something to talk about. That's true. That's maybe the, the hardest thing. <laughs> For sure. We're just laying in a hammock with a beer and be quiet for a while. <laughs> and it would probably be a Colt 45 beer. I don't know if you know what that is. No. We have a beer in the U.S. called Colt 45. It's an old one. Oh. Of course. Next time, maybe we'll try that one. <laughs> maybe it'll be a real 45. Yeah, real 45 beer. Or I can, if I can work on Monster to make a real 45 flavor. Oh. That'd be even better. How should that taste? Good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Really good. Really good. So here we are, episode 45. This one is really special for me, of course. Uh, because number 45 is my number, my racing number, and it all stems from my hero, mentor, all-around super dad, cool dude, whatever, Bruce Penhall. Yeah. He's a really cool dude, too. Yeah, and that's the first time you've actually really got to meet him, e-meet him, right? This is an internet link. That's true. And you speak about him uh, a lot. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah. it comes back to the 45. I, you know, I, sometimes I just can't help myself. But, uh, yeah, he's a big man of my, my life. Yeah. And uh, for my racing world, anyway. And But he's he's been a mentor. He's, he's helped me. And uh, just a guy that I've always looked up to, whether we've had direct involvement more recently or not. But um, So this episode was, yeah, it's really, really cool. And you're going to hear why 45. We're going to get it from, as I call it, the, the man, the real 45. The real 45. The, the real 45. <laughs> the real 45. <laughs> yeah. So it would have been way more uh, interesting to sit around the table with, with Bruce to do this episode. But uh, due to circumstances, we couldn't be in the U.S. and he couldn't be here. So we hooked up a, an Internet link, which worked out pretty good. But we have to... Yeah, we have to admit, it's not the quality could have been better. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Some parts are, are good and some parts are actually quite bad, but the content yeah, is really good. The content is there, and we, we could have re-recorded it, but to catch Bruce and to catch the situation, the moment, the way we caught it, now you would never catch it again in the same manner. And listening to Bruce talk about his, uh, his involvement with different things today, especially related to the situation with uh, losing his son to a drunk driver. Mm. That part, sadly, we, we got a little bit of interference over the internet line, but we can't, we can't not put this out. So please accept our apologies for the, the, um, the connection, but we hope that you get the most of the content and, uh, 
and feel the true feelings that we got from Bruce and the whole story. Yeah. And here he comes. Listen in. Here it goes with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so no, we, uh, we were just going to uh, pretty much just try to grab you. And this podcast thing has been kind of just fun, but it started off as a, as kind of a, uh, a joke from my wife uh, said to me, cause you know, I, I can talk sometimes. <laughs> she said and all of us americans it's like geez we, we need to give everybody give everybody a break we talk so much <laughs> yeah stefan's learning that about me really fast <laughs> the yanks yeah yeah whose podcast is this <laughs> uh no it started out jenny's like man you should do a podcast it's like a year and a half ago i like, what and, uh, she says yeah, you're always talking you talk to everybody you know and you always seem to have plenty to say and and uh, you should just just talk. <laughs> like I couldn't just sit and talk to a microphone. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'd be like a loner. Sure, so, you can. <laughs> yeah, well, lots to say. Not by myself. I don't know if I could, <laughs> you know. So yeah. When I think you ah, now put Bobby Schwartz in your position. I mean, it'd be no problem. He could do two hours nonstop. Boogaloo. I mean, if we once we get Boogaloo on the podcast. It's gonna be it's gonna be righteous because then we 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 try to keep the podcast to like forty five minutes to an hour, then then we're good we're kosher. But if we get yeah. Bobby on here, we might just have to extend that. You need three batteries for your phone for that one. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Bless heart. Dude, that's it's unreal. So the uh, the topic the the topic of our podcast obviously this is. We call it the Real 45 podcast, and it's the real as in R-E-E-L, like a film reel. Right. And uh, it all kicked off when Stefan and I started to do it, that I've basically been kind of recording my life as a Speedway writer, of course, but from right. day one recording it, and now I'm kind of like rewinding the wheel and telling kind of my story live on a, on a podcast, and we're, so we call it Real 45. Of course, number 45 is my number. And uh, I got the number because I had a hero, you know, that uh, had the number. Did you get a zero? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a zero in hero. I mean, I, you know, but uh, no, it's a little more than that. <laughs> so the 45th episode of the Real 45 podcast. Is that today right now? That's what we're doing now. Yes. Oh, badass. That's very cool. Very so cool. It worked out, and we've been talking and making like jokes about what's going to happen on the 45th episode when we first started this. What about the 45th episode? And the other day, I was, said to Stefan, "I'm like, Bruce Pennell. We should have Bruce. He's he's the real 45 for me, you know. Like, you know, I always wanted to be number 45, and Josh Larson had it as a kid before I got it. You know, I remember right. like, you know, daggers and all that stuff. That's my number. You got my number. <laughs> so." Uh, yeah. Yeah, and eventually I ended up getting the 45 because you always follow, you know, if you can't, you, for whatever reason, everybody's got their favorite number. So, mm -hmm. uh, dude, you're the reason why I took 45. Obviously, I always read Bruce. He's been a hero of mine forever in Speedway and life, et cetera. So we got Bruce Benno on the Real 45 podcast. Yeah, that's, that's cool that it's the 45th episode, too. That's very cool. It's great. And and Grin, Grin knows that, you know, I passed it down to my second oldest boy you know conrad 81 and then ryan had 40 still has 45 but he's pretty much retired now so 
you know, I started out with 145 as third division because they wouldn't give me a two digit number. <laughs> then when I got into, they wouldn't. Then when I got into first division, I could eliminate that one and went to 45. So it's cool. I had to do the same. I had to start with 145. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I think Greg Ayers had the 45 when you retired the number. Oh, yeah, oh was, yeah. Yeah, I think it's him. He when you retired huh. it, he got it. And I was 145, so you have to have a three-digit number when you start, like Bruce said. Uh-huh. Right. And then when I got up to second or first division, whatever, Ayers had retired the number. I'm like, bingo, you know? Perfect. I don't remember him getting that number, but I don't remember a lot anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I am pretty – I think it was him, or maybe – I think it was. And I just remember he got it after you, you, you must've retired it at some stage. Cause even when you're number one, you can still hold your exact 45. Yeah. You could hold it. Cause yeah. when you won the championship, the U S championship, he could ride as number one, but number 45 was still held for him. So, mm. um, so, so the numbers are not handed out. You claim them. Pretty much, if it's available. Well, actually, uh, I was I was handed out the 145. I couldn't even choose back oh, then. Right. How, yeah. how long back then? When is then? Way, way before you were born. <laughs> I think right. it was uh, it was probably 1970. 1974. Yeah. And so, and there were so many speedway riders back then, even third division guys that, okay, I, you know, and who am I? I just came into it and, okay, here's your number. So I was okay with that. And then when I had the chance, then I was able to eliminate the one. But, yeah, I was given that number when I first started. Yeah. yeah. See, that's cool. And how did, the, I don't know if they still held it. Isn't it like number one? Is it one through 10 or one through what are 16 maybe that they, they held? Like if you qualified or you in the championship in the national, you finished from first to 16th, those numbers were reserved for what place? You know, Grant, I, I, I can't remember, but I, uh, I remember to get a single digit number though, you really had to be up there back in those days. Right. I don't know what it's like now. I know that there's, there's even a 45 up North, right? I think that there's a, a, num- a 45 yeah. up north too. I think. Yeah, you I've never know that either. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I lose contact but, with the U.S. too. Like nowadays, I'm like, gosh, you hear these guys' names, and if it's not a Luke Becker or, or a Janeiro or something, I'm like, who's that again? <laughs> I have no idea. I look at. I get the Speedway Star still every week. They send that to me, and right on. I look at it and go, I don't know who any of these guys are, but. <laughs> I don't, I swear. I, I like the backtrack magazine because it's old days like us. Hey, I know. I remember that guy. So yeah, the, the real days. Yeah. Well, <laughs> our, our, our real days. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's yeah. bad. So you're sitting in your, your lake house. Yeah. I'm, this- I'm at the lake house right now. We're just, you know, moved, we moved in. Well, I should say it's just part-time, you know, it's weekend stuff. Um, but we moved in Saturday. Siggy came out and helped and Deb and I had about seven or eight people. i we remodeled the whole inside and it's been a nightmare because even though it's only an hour and a half away from the house, it's, I, ha, I made a bunch of trips out here to meet with contractors and we're just kind of finishing things up and touching up and mounting a few things, uh, yesterday and today. But, uh, 
it's it's badass it's just like a little mile and a half lake out here and and uh it's quiet there's no bars or anything you know i i like quiet now so does so does Lori and I don't like a bunch of idiots on jet skis going crazy and boats, man. It just, it scares the crap, crap out of me. I just like quiet. That's and that's what the place is. Yeah. So it's like your weekend retreat or whatever you want now too. Can you see the lake behind me? I can see a little bit. We can see the, I can see a tree. There you go. Oh, it's kind of hard. reflection in the, in the, in the window. Yeah, it's out the window. I couldn't go outside. It's a little breezy, and you said to, you know, keep it kind of quiet because it's a little bit breezy. And I think it would have really come back on the on the phone. You would have heard it. So mm, that's. But cool. I'd but rather be out there drinking a cocktail or a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, you got time. Is it hot? <laughs> oh shit! It's like a, yesterday it was 110 out here. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's it's warm. It's just eight miles outside of Barstow. It's called Yermo. Yeah, and there's like 20 of these man-made lakes all around this area. So it's looking for a while, but I uh, found this place and just remodeled the whole thing. So, yeah. Do you have a now boat out there? Or do you get a ski or anything? I, I just got a new boat, too, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's great. It's Stephen's great. Stefan's got a pretty cool uh, summer house on a little island here in off the coast here in Sweden. It's uh, we went out there the other day, and he's got a little boat out there too. You can rip around. So it's uh, it's our weekend retreat. At his place. <laughs> that you know, I saw some pictures that you had on Instagram, and I just remember Sweden with it's just nothing but hundreds of lakes. I mean, this is like ghetto compared to Swedish lakes, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> No, I loved Sweden, man. It was just, uh, you know, I just never got to spend a lot of time there. You know, we just we'd be there only about maybe three times a year. But God, I love that place. Denmark too, you know. I I'll keep that quiet, Stefan, because it is Denmark. You know how the Swedes and the Danes are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, gets, he gets rambunctious too, man. He can, it's really easy to fire him up. Yeah, <laughs> Good boy. starts breaking shit. <laughs> the real Viking comes out in him. Right. Right. What um, can we go back a little bit and talk about? Obviously, the forty-five. Everybody knows you from Speedway World, but dude, what? You grew up in Newport Beach, and why Speedway? Why not something else? You've probably been asked this question a hundred times, but I'm like, yeah, I don't even know if I've ever asked you this question. <laughs> you know, it, uh, back in those days, um, you know, I, I grew up at the Wedge in Balboa, literally on the other side of the ferry from where you grew up grew up and uh, I was on the beachfront and you know it's not until we're older how how much we realize how great we really had it as kids right we take advantage of that a little bit especially me at 61 I'm going man I couldn't even get close to affording a affording a place on the beach like I did when I was a kid right Right. there those down there are 15 20 million dollars but um, my, my dad was a big-time racer. He raced boats. He raced a little bit of motorcycles. And then his later years, he was huge into airplane racing. So, you know, I, I, I dug riding motorcycles. Even when I, when I was in Anaheim growing up, I would ride around the block on my Honda Mini Trail 50, and I dug it. And then my dad and Tony Segalas, Dennis's dad, sponsored rick woods back in 1972 
Oh, really? So okay. That's what kind of got me into Speedway. I we used to go there on a Friday night. Back then, it was Friday night, and and watch Rick and and you know he was like one of my idols, and and uh, same with Mike Bast. You know, even though Mike Bast was considered the bad guy back then, and Rick and Danny Becker were the guys. You know, which they were. All right. And Wild Bill and, and the rest of them. Um, and so I went and I just really kind of fell in love with it. Dennis and I, uh, Ed Schaefer, who used to sponsor Rick Speedway Research, built some uh, little minis that were chainsaw motors. Okay. They were literally McCullough chainsaw motors. And those effing things were a handful. They would just, they were so crazy and they were really flimsy and they would, the frames would crack, but it, it, they were a lot of fun. And we had a, a, a little private track at Dennis's dad's office, right behind his office, oh, yeah, right, right in orange. Of course, now it's all built. But so we just started doing circles there. And, and I remember riding home from school on my bicycle, I would slide my bicycle <laughs> on the boardwalk because it had a little bit of sand on it all the way home. I'd always used to wear out the left side of my tire from because I couldn't slide to the right. <laughs> I still couldn't. Well, I don't think I can slide to the left anymore either. But uh, it, that's how it kind of all started, you know. And then I just, I just really fell in love with it, and um, you know, I, I, I just liked it so much that I, I wanted it for myself. And then, of course, my dad, my mom was frightened to death. Even when my dad was racing, I remember. She would lock herself in the restroom because she just couldn't stomach watching my dad, especially in the P-51 Mustangs, you know, doing 500 miles an hour, 20 feet off the ground. You know, I mean, I'm telling you, it's the most radical form of motorsports that I've ever seen in my life. It used to blow my mind. These things, and they were just 20 feet apart, and there'd be seven of them around a pylon at Reno Air Races, and it used to freak me out. I'd go, I mean... I get chills now thinking about it, how, how badass it was and how much respect I have a lot more now than what my dad did. You know, he didn't have very good eyesight. That's why he couldn't fly when he was uh, in, the, in the Army, or I should say the Air Force, because his eyes were so bad. So when he got the opportunity, that's what he wanted to do. Whoa. Yeah. So if his eyes were that bad at that point, what did he do? It, I mean, obviously, I don't know how good glasses were and stuff like that, or contacts, were they around at that period? Yeah, because he wore glasses, but, you know, when you're when you're in the service, they look at that. But after he was out of the service, you know, they'll take an eye exam, and you can wear your glasses, and certainly you can fly. He had to go through quite a few uh, requirements, even racing the airplanes, but he passed all those, and you know, oh, he was kinda, with the business. He was kind of tired of that. He he did a, a, a tremendous job building the Penhall company back in the day, and and uh, it was just time for him to have a lot more fun. That's when he was started racing the airplanes. That's how we got the number eighty one. You know, and uh, my dad used eighty one in the race boats. Prior to that, he used to go to he used to go to these boat races and have four or five different boats that he'd race of his. Oh. different classes you know and i remember really? at the same time uh no not yeah it'd be hard a lot of hands uh yeah. man, no he would be in different classes so he'd race one class jump in another boat race another class and 
we'd be in a station wagon driving all the way back to Louisiana where all the big nationals were and stuff. I remember that as a kid. It was, uh, it was amazing. So that's how I, I became a racer. I think like Greg, like look at your kids. I think racing runs in the blood really does, man. I mean, and you know, we want the best for our kids. It scares it. And especially after Connor's accident, you know, I'm a lot more paranoid to see Ryan go out and ride now or, or see my daughter even go on a little trip, you know, we're a lot more freaked out nowadays than we were before just because of the accident. But, uh, now I, you know, I always, I, I wouldn't say I'd push him, but I directed him and, you know, do this and do it the right way. And, you know, you've got to love this. And, and, mm. you know, if, if it means a lot to you, then, Hey, go for it. And we have to support them, you know, to as much as we possibly can and that was with my dad to some degree but he really wanted me to get involved with business he says race have fun with it but that's as far as you should really go with it so there's a pretty good story to it but i just fell in love with it and i wanted to do it and i just it was it was about heart how much do you really want to do it you get to a certain point greg and 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 you know this and i've seen you do this and several times and and um I have so much respect for you because, okay, you're still a kid to me, right? But to a lot of the other GP guys, you're getting to be one of the old guys, right? <laughs> it's like, a kid. 61, and my God, you're like still a kid. But, you know, I, I used to see guys that would pull up to the racetrack like Scott Autry, and he would have Jet, his little boy, in, in a, a stroller. And I'm going, how would he concentrate knowing that he's got a little boy here? I mean, you have to want it so much. I'd be freaked out. I, you know, I know that I've got to support my kids and my wife for the rest of my life and I can't get hurt. And this is my way of living. And I, so I look at you with all your kids and and where you're at and what you've done. I mean, I just don't know if I could have ever done that. I was single. I mean, I had a good time being single. I was doing it. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I had a lot of fun. All right. But uh, I have so much respect for, guys like yourself and and a lot of these other racers that have families and they still fight on and the risk is high and you know you want it so much and so bad and if it doesn't happen it's like man i gotta make this better next week so um yeah i have i have a great deal of expect, respect how do you handle the you have a business your own yes now how do you handle the kids with a business do you want them to start in the business too or do you want them to uh, as your dad did uh, you know, um, I, I want, yeah, Ryan's going to take over my position here. That's kind of why we have this, uh, this, our, our lake house. I'm getting burnt out and I, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good and the business is going great. And, um, now that Ryan's retired from racing Baja, it's really helped me out a lot because he's a lot more dedicated and, and he's, he's concentrating a lot more on work. Uh, which is great, and that's what I want, and that's what he wants. Sometimes I wonder if he really wants it, you know. <laughs> that's what we do, right? But um, he's doing a really good job now that 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 the whole racing thing has kind of been put aside. How old is Ryan now? Uh, Thirty, uh, thirty-five. Thirty-five now. So Ryan, I mean, he's been- he's thirty-two. Devin's thirty-five. 
Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Uh, so 30, 32, and I mean, he just stopped racing Baja. Baja's the desert race and stuff. That they, I don't know how much Stefan knows no, no. Um, about some of this, but I mean, his kid, Ryan, is an absolute animal on a motorcycle. Oh. Yeah, like, really good. But it's just from all the video stuff that I've seen, I've, I've seen him race a couple of times out in, in the day in the dirt stuff and, and the video stuff that he puts out. And I just like, man, you know. Sometimes he's not scared. Oh, hey! Sometimes with the crap he puts on on like Instagram stuff, I go, "Oh my God, is that really my son?" I mean, this this political thing, like really, like you're going to change, you know? But you do the best you can to direct them, and they still have their own opinion, whatever. So sorry about. I didn't mean to go that direction, but yeah, (laughs) he was he was great. The the problem with Baja was he'd be gone for a month to pre-run, you know? And prior to that, he had to ride so much just to be prepared for Baja. And Baja is so dangerous and it's out in the middle of nowhere. And so, yeah, it's, uh, he did a good job, um, but it's time to get back to work now for him. Mm-hmm. So, so I can like a thousand miles, 1600 Ks. Oh, six shit. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah. like, uh, it's major and yeah. it's, it's brutal. But he, how many times he did, did he do that? Oh, he, he was calling him and Connor did it together too, right? Yeah. Well, they did it. Uh, I mean, they've been racing the Baja. There's, there's a Baja 250, there's a Baja 500 and there's a Baja 1000. Plus they threw in a couple of little GP Bajas now too, but they've been oh, okay. racing the Baja now for about 10 years, you know, and I can remember putting Connor used to love Connor was my youngest. He used to love, uh, the night sections. So you would, when he did pre-run 150 miles a day. So I, I would put Connor on a, on a bike out in the middle of nowhere in Baja, like right around eight o'clock at night when, it, when it got dark. And then he would ride for 150 miles with nobody around him. And it just used to freak me out, but that's what he loved. You know, and we kind of knew that a section particularly would take, you know, maybe two hours and you'd get to a fuel section. We'd fill them up and keep going. If he didn't show up there for 20 minutes or so, I would be a freaking nervous wreck. And then all of a sudden you see a light come out in the middle of nowhere and it's like, dude, and then you, the first thing you do when he pulls up, you look to see, does he have any dirt on him? Did he crash? Is he okay? And I, it's like, Connor, where, where the hell have you been? He goes, oh, I was just looking at a section like four or five times. It's a little rough. And it's like, yeah, don't, shit, don't worry about us, all right? <laughs> so, anyway, I'm glad that's pretty well over Chill, with. Chill, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if they only knew. Wait till they have kids. Then they'll freaking know, right? That's what I say. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but will Ryan ever have kids? Uh, I think he's just really playing that field still, still, man. Yeah. <laughs> He, I can't wait for grandkids. I can't. Yeah. And Devin, my oldest, is t- today. He's uh, announced. He's his wife Carly is pregnant. So we're really stoked. Oh, they're releasing the gender tonight at seven thirty. So we're excited. So oh, here we go. The boy or girl yet either. So or possibly a little monkey. Who knows? You know. But yeah, we're uh, <laughs> we're uh, looking really excited. So at least we have one grandchild coming in i kinsey she's working away with my daughter she's doing a great job with hair she travels all over the u.s teaching and 
and Ryan's just working hard in the office. So the kids are doing great. My wife's doing great. And yeah, all is good. How many kids is it? Three. I four, have three. Now. Well, I have Connor would have been four, but I have three. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very cool. Mackenzie, is her, she's teaching too? I don't know about that. Teaches. Oh yeah. She's went through extensive classes about five years ago. So she travels across to Texas uh, every uh, every two weeks. She's out of the state teaching um, hair color stuff and all that. So okay. yeah, she's done really well. And then she's back in her salon, you know, five days a week. She's doing really well, really well. Is she still down in? Is it Newport or Costa Mesa? She was uh, where she was last time, I think. She, her uh, salon is in Tustin now. Oh, it is. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But she, she lives in Ladera Ranch, which is, you know, close to Laguna Niguel and yeah. all. You probably wouldn't know because you've been, it's been so long since you've been back in town where Ladera Ranch is, huh, Grant? You know what? Actually, <laughs> I know exactly where Ladera Ranch is. And, and believe it or not, it's only because uh, probably a large majority of my wife's Swedish friends live in Ladera Ranch. <laughs> oh, really? Yes, there's a lot of them. That scares me because they might live next to McKinsey and she can sometimes have a little bit too much fun now and then, you know? Well, you mean a Swedish? You could have a little Swedish in the family. There's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. <laughs> you never know. You'd have another reason to come over and visit us over here. I know. I, I, need to, I need to get over there. I had such a good time going to Poland, watching in Poland a few years back. Man, I just loved it. It was really cool. It, it's uh, obviously you saw Poland back in the day too, right? So if you, you know, if we go back to your career and in Speedway going, growing up around Costa Mesa and all the, the local Southern California, Irwindale and San Bernardino and all those, yeah. and then going to Europe. I mean, what a change. Wow. Huh? I mean, I was there when it was behind the iron curtain and when I flew into Poland, I, I was, this isn't Poland. There's actually freaking buildings here. And, you know, it, no, I'm serious. There wasn't any buildings back in those days. I mean, it yeah. was so, so drab and, you know, it's just the way it was. I, I loved seeing the way that the growth of it and how westernized it was, you know, and I haven't seen Denmark or Sweden. I, I mean, England hasn't changed a lot. I don't think it ever will, but it was, uh, I just kind of had a layover in, in uh, London anyway, but um, right. I miss those days, miss them a lot. England, like today, even I, you know, I had the better part of sort of 14 years in England on the, on the go there at one time. And even for me to go back to England now, like a lot of things don't change at all, but the, like the, it just got more busy, right? It got more people. It's got more roads. I can't even, when I drive through Tamworth, it wasn't far from where you guys were in Sutton originally. Like I have a hard time to find my way around. It's just really? like, there's just more roads and there's more things going on. Like you say, it's more buildings and more like that. But when you get, when you get to the speedway world and all that stuff, yeah, it's still, it's just like some of those places are still as they were back in the day, but yeah. you get the more modern stadiums now, like, um, uh, Manchester Bellevue, they've, they built a really nice, cool place and right. a few of them have really upgraded. But when you look at Poland and even in Sweden too, some of the venues that they've, they've refurbished, it's impressive, man. Poland's, Poland's insane. Insane. Yeah. I, I, uh, shit, back in the, like the early eighties, the motorways in England were a nightmare, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, I can imagine what it's like now. And of course, you know, we, back in those days, there wasn't, I mean, there was quite a few motorways, but it was all side streets. You know, I remember getting to Kings Lynn and, you know, I mean, it was sometimes just a nightmare. It'd, it'd take hours to get to a, to a meeting. And then, 
of course, you'd get there and be rained out and drive another seven hours back home, you know? Oh, too bad. It's rained out. Hit the chippy. Oh, fish and chips twice. Twice. And you had like McDonald's, was it this? You guys had McDonald's in London? Wasn't yeah, but right? the biggest deal was, you know, I remember White City and uh, was was Hard Rock. That was right. Hard Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hard Rock was badass and because it had, you know, real burgers for us. And I can remember, uh, and Stefan wouldn't know this, but when we won the World Team Cup, I remember taking pictures with Kelly Moran and the whole team with Johnny Carson. He was at the Hard Rock there, and he let us come and take pictures with him. Johnny Carson was a big talk show host here, and he's, you know, passed away since. But uh, we would make a point to go to Hard Rock after White City because it was so close, or even Wimbledon. Um, because so close because, you know, we could eat some westernized food. There was a McDonald's in London too, but it was like 45 minutes out of the way and we used to drive it. We used to drive it. It was worth it. Gosh, I remember the story. I remember Lance telling me stories too. And, and Bobby, of course, uh, driving down to London to, to get McDonald's or then they had a Taco Bell for a really short period. And that that's might've been after, that was probably after you had finished. Yeah. I don't remember Taco Bell. I would have loved it. it. Had, Oh yeah, dude, it was there for like, it only lasted for a short time and it was gone. But I think it was even there when I first came over and then it disappeared. Huh. You know, we got our, well, when I'd come home quite a bit to race the small tracks, you know, maybe five times a year, but Siggy was uh, in Ipswich. He was close to the Marine base over there and he had a buddy. So he was able to get all the taco ingredients all the time. So we'd always have parties when we'd meet up, and he had the taco food because we didn't see it very much in England. Yeah, we loved it. That's right. The air base there, not far from it. I don't know yeah. the name of it. Yeah. yeah, they used to go. All the guys used to go and try to go on base and, and buy food from the store or whatever. And down in Ippy. Yeah. Yeah, that's food. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. But going. If, uh, did you have a question? Yeah. Did you know each other when you? when you were smaller or did you first meet each other in, in England? Oh no, a little grin was not even up to my knees when I met Grin. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. It was a grass. His, his ah. dad his dad was a I mean, he's such a good guy and he loves Speedway and uh, of course everybody loved, you know, um Uncle Bill. Everybody called him Uncle Bill. That's Greg's dad. Um that, you know, he was in the speedway and Greg was a little tyke and, you know, he wanted to ride and, uh, you know, he, he always, and it's true. He always had a grin on his face. I don't know if he crashed or if he didn't have a good race on his minis on the juniors, they used to call them minis way back when they moved up to the junior speedway and <laughs> stepped <right>. up. <laughs> Greg was, and I'm a short guy and Greg was really not even up to my waist. So I've, I've known Greg since he was probably about four, four years old. Yeah. You know, uh, Bobby, Bobby Schwartz hung out a lot with Uncle Bill, too. Uncle Bill used to help Boogaloo. He helped everybody. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember Greg grinned when he was just a kid, and he loved going to Speedway, and he always had a, a smile on his face, man, and he never had a bad day. So... Yeah, and I was, you know, I, I was fortunate because he, you know, he wanted to wear the same leathers as I did. And I remember helping uh, Greg and David Busby way back in the day. And 
you know, I was kind of living in England. I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him, but um, he was always so appreciative to whatever help that we could, you know, give to to, to not only him but a, a little hand, a little uh, David Busby. So uh, yeah, yeah, and it was it was it was good times back then. I look at it now and how many world championships he has, and I just I know that he can do it again, and uh, I don't know how he does it, but. I, like I said, I have to give him credit because it's a, it blows my mind, it blows my mind. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's, it's always cool to hear it, but you just, you know, I still haven't grown up and something about getting sideways, right? <laughs> no. And plus, you know, when, when we go over to your dad's house, you know, and, uh, after, after Speedway and party a little bit, the good thing is, is you were asleep and didn't really hear us. <laughs> <laughs> there was a few times that you woke up that which was scary but i'm sh i'm i sure hope you don't remember those times i i didn't get very scarred from those man i don't know what it was maybe you guys i don't know that surprises me with charlie yeah. Toon and all that Ooh, baby did we have some fun we enjoyed oh, yeah. well you know we were making the spodiotes in the alley for you guys so there might have been a couple of things slipped down in the <laughs> oh god i remember those days that's great Dude, they were we used to make the cocktails in the alley for the parties. Oh, my dad would set up a bench outside for us with a blender and all the all the ingredients, and yeah. we would whip up the cocktails for for the uh, the local party. Oh, <laughs> yeah, there were seven, five, seven years old. Hey, can you mix us up a drink? I guess it's probably not the right thing that we used to do, but we had to do it somehow. They helped. We were on Balboa Island, and when you were on the island, you were like it was like a safe a safe haven, you know. So right. like. We just made up cocktails, and when they were served up, we jumped on our bikes and started sliding in the alley. It was all good. Yeah. I don't know what you ask for next time because we only drink beer. I didn't know that you were good at cocktails. Well, I can make one cocktail, <laughs> just one cocktail. But you need to have a little coconut snow and a little pineapple juice, and uh, was it? I think it was rum or. There's, I, I think he knows he, he remembers it too well right now. I think he's yeah. Our leg. He knows how to mix cocktail probably more probably. than Odi. I, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to say this online. You know, my kids listen to this stuff, and you know. <laughs> yeah. The, the coolest thing is my middle son Bill. The other day, we had a friend over that's uh, a really close friend. They have a little baby now, and uh, he was talking to the little baby that's like five months old, and he goes, he was calling himself Uncle Bill, mm, and he goes, "Really? I'm gonna I'm gonna be an Uncle Bill." Wow. That's all he said like that. I'm like, yeah, you are an Uncle Bill. He was all stoked, all proud. That is so so, cool. so we met basically from there, you know in the early age, early days, I should say, for, for racing for me, of course, I wasn't even racing yet, but I remember Bruce going off to Europe. And, uh, I remember the day when you won your first world championship because we were at that point, I was still living with my mom. We used to go to my dad on his place on the weekend. Every, every second weekend we were at his place on Babel Island. Oh. And, uh, so we would, the usual routine was he would pick us up after work and we'd go down and we'd either have dinner or have a, a stadium steak at the, <laughs> at the fairgrounds and watch uh watch speedway coast amazing friday night and then we were there all weekend usually we went practicing somewhere on saturday or sunday and indian dunes or saddleback or whatever was open back then in that time indian dunes oh my god yeah talk about that right you must have had a few not just riding days there you probably had some filming time there too right yeah a little bit i mean uh man that that are you there can you hear me guys okay uh yeah i didn't practice a lot at indian dunes 
um, it was too far because I had a few practice tracks, even a little more local. Um, and then, yeah, we, we filmed chips out there a couple of times. And in fact, I think my first, uh, chips show, it was a lot about the Coliseum and, uh, we did a lot of the B roll out at Indian dunes and Rick Miller was there with us. And, uh, I believe Lenny Foss rode. There, there's a few guys from back in the day that we were able yeah, to. Mike, Mike Caruso, too, right? Wasn't he in the part of that deal? He was there, too, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. How did you end up doing movies? Uh, you know, back in those days, uh, Speedway was on, you know, CBS Sports Spectacular, Sports Spectacular, which is a huge here in the, in the United States. And we got a lot of publicity nationwide. And... Um, a producer had seen me on, on racing and said, Hey, uh, would you like to come in and, uh, test for uh, a TV show? And I'm like, and I'm living in England at the time. I'm saying, well, okay, cool. You know, it's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> right. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> that was awesome. I said, okay, cool. <laughs> so, uh, I said, sure. So, um, they had me come back. They flew me back. It was for a, a quick little 24-hour jaunt. I went to MGM, and I tested with Eric Estrada, and they said, uh, we'd like you to play a special guest on the show. Uh, would you be willing to do that? I said, yeah, sure. Just be yourself, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, great. So I got a call two weeks later uh, from my manager back at the time, and he said, hey, they want you to possibly play uh, as uh, uh, Ponch's sidekick because John was gone as his younger brother, as a regular. I said, all right, cool. I'm, you know, I'm not an actor. So anyway, to make a long story short, uh, I, I, I lived in Birmingham, not far from Sutton Coalfield in Birmingham, and I used to drive to London when I could, because I was racing so much, 150 nights out of the year is when, as much as we'd raced back in those oh, days. Really? I didn't know that much? Oh, yeah. I'd go like, you know, 30 nights in a row and have maybe two nights off. You know, Mondays were kind of the only odd night. And plus, you know, the weekends were always Germany for us, long track or grass track. But so I'd have to make the drive into London, which is a long ways for me at that time. It was two hours. And I, I had to get with a, an acting coach just to try to freaking memorize lines. I'm not like I knew how to act, right? I'm a racer. Which <laughs> so was hard for me, man. I was like into racing and I couldn't remember freaking two lines. But anyway, I did that. went back. They flew me back. They tested me and I got the part and they said, okay, great. Oh, uh, two weeks before the 82 World Championship, uh, they called me and said, they want you to play as Eric's brother now on the show, but they want you to stop racing right now and, and uh, start working in the industry next week. And I says, wait a second. I said, I got my world championship in three weeks. I said, I'm not going to do that. My, my racing was everything to me. Plus I'd won it at Wembley the year before. So this was the first time it had ever been in America and it's my backyard. I'm not going to do that. Thanks anyway, I said. I said, okay, great, no problem. Um, but we still want you to play the special guest on the show. Uh, I said, great, okay. So uh, like a week before the championship, they signed me up and said, okay, 
we're going to film the 82 world final. You're going to actually win it. And then, uh, uh, we want you to play the special guest as his little brother on the show. So it's okay. But I can't really do that either because I have a schedule even after the world championship that I have to finish. You know, <laughs> oh, this is serious. <laughs> it was. It was really good. I mean, it gets better. So Dude, I haven't even heard all this. This is awesome. <laughs> this is awesome. Oh, yeah. So you should have seen all the chips guys in the pits at, at the 82 World Final, and they're trying to talk to me. And I'm like, leave me the F alone. I'm trying to race here, right? <laughs> and, then, and, up and I'm, I'm like, who the hell is that? I didn't know any of these. I knew Ponch, right? The new guy, I didn't know because they're Wilcox Walk. So, uh, yeah, and the pressure was like I had to win this anyway because they, they had written it in the script. So uh, I, I won, fortunately. Uh, could have been the other way with Kenny Carter, but anyway. Um, sure. So, so uh, you know, I I kind of like dreamt, and I always I I love being in Speedway, and I love being world champion, and uh, I I'd always had this dream of being able to retire on the podium. So, and I promise you, I didn't I didn't make the decision until like two or three days prior to the championship. I went to my manager. And I went to my family. I said, I'm thinking about doing this, but I don't want to jinx the championship. They said, yeah, okay, whatever. And everybody goes, yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. You are. You know, so, uh, <laughs> I the championship and, and I retired in the podium and the very next week, man, I started on ships and I think it was probably because I went on the show is the reason that it canceled, you know, after I was on it, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a great time. Stayed in business for a while. Did a lot of little episodic guests here and there, but great part of my life. What was the reaction when you when you retired on the podium? You know, I had a lot of haters. They said, "How could uh -huh. you do that to the sport?" And you know, you're a world champion. You need to hold that crown for the next year. And I I understood that, but you know, um, I was just I wanted to be back home. You know, I wanted to be back in the States. I miss my family. Uh, I really wanted to start a family. I love kids, you know, even though I was single in, I, I just, I felt like I had accomplished all my goals. I am super happy with what I have done and it's time to take the next step in my life. Believe it or not, which is television. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I... I had a great time and I just, I can't believe what I learned and the people on the show were so good to me. I mean, uh, I can remember like one scene taking like four hours because Bruce couldn't remember his lines or I stepped over here when I saw my mark and it was amazing, but I learned a lot and had a great time. Made really good things too. Yeah. What an experience, right? Are you still friends with Eric Estrada and some of the, the cast today? I haven't talked to him in a few years. He invited me to go to, to uh, when he got the walk in the fame and I couldn't go. Um, we have a fifth reunion. We, uh, they had one this last year and I, I couldn't go, uh, but I went to the one uh, five years ago and it was amazing. It was over two days uh, at a big hotel at LAX. And uh, it was, it was amazing how many people showed up. It's like star Wars freaks, you know, everybody loves star Wars and, but there's chip freaks. They come from all over the world and they dress in uniform. And it's like, you're looking at like, really? Really? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, they had lived for that show. It was like a, 
a highly rated show back in those days. And yeah, he was huge. Yeah, I, I always watched it. And Eric Estrada was huge. Of course, Larry Wilcox was as well. But I, I talked to uh, Wilcox now and then and um, uh, Robert Pine. Uh, they went to the Connor Cup a couple of years ago. They were kind enough to do that. It was great. How cool. So I stayed in touch with, with them a, a little bit here and there. That's rad, man. What a, what a period. It just was huge. It was, it was here in Sweden, too. It was, I mean, it played all over the world. So every once in a while, we talk to specific people and ask, uh, you know, what's, of course, what's Bruce doing today and whether, you know, he still act and all that. And, uh, I, still get, I still get checks from that. That's, isn't that awesome? Yeah, residual checks, right? It plays all over Phil, if you can believe that. Sometimes I'll get, <laughs> you guys, I swear to God, sometimes I'll get a check for like $1.69. It's like, hey, great. Dude, you just want to frame it, right? Just put another one on the wall. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, at least you can show everybody all the $1.69 checks you had, and you say, this is how I got my lake house. Yeah. <laughs> I put them in the bed. I've been saying it's like stealing a brick from the from your brick bank job every day until you can build a house. Yeah. <laughs> My wife goes, she goes, really? I've had them for 69 cents. She goes, really? What do you do with it? I said, I'm going to put it in the bank. <laughs> oh, that's oh. so rad. That, the cool thing is that they still do checks. You can still get a check for 69 cents. Yeah. It's a great union. The Screen Actors Guild is a great union. They really look after you. And I have over 10 years vested. So it's it's a good thing for me. It's my retirement. Do you miss it? Um, um, you know, you know what I, I kind of miss is uh, the sports commentary. I, you know, I used to do some motorsports. I did a lot of snow ski events as a, as a, a, a you know, uh, like an anchor, or I should say uh, a co-host. I used to love doing that. You know, it didn't take up a lot of time. When I, I, I shot like seven or eight low-budget films, okay? Low-budget, <laughs> like borderline X-rated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I, I think what happens is what happens. Hey, what was the name of those? Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, there's a yeah, and I think the reason I think I quit doing those too is because they they just weren't into short subjects, I guess. You know. <laughs> but I had a blast doing those. I used to fly to Hawaii, and I'd be there for a month shooting a film, and I'd work maybe two days a week. You know, oh. bring family over there, and it was it was really cool. You know, we uh, when I first started, there was a lot of playmates. Playboy, Playboy's done now, but there was a lot of playmates in in the shows. And um, when I'd go into makeup, wow, <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's like I, I you know, put the, I can't watch this. You know, yeah. oh, they walk around topless, and it's like, oh my god, this is I'm getting paid for this. I should say, yeah, I'm getting paid. <laughs> I mean, I need some more makeup. Can you please? I know we're not shooting or anything, but maybe I need some makeup. Yeah. I mean, Speedway, the commentary, and, and filmmaking, that, that is kind of a public thing to do that people know here about and stuff like that. Now, now I'm in construction, right? <laughs> Yeah, they're now now construction too. Yeah. And then, now you're making money. See, <laughs> the, cool, the cool thing with Stefan, like he doesn't he doesn't know as much about the sport he obviously doesn't know as much about you so he's got more like real questions he, he wants to get to know you so he's this is yeah. pretty rad i don't know if you want to know yeah 
I think I want to know. He wants to know why it's real 45, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what's on the, what's really on that reel? <laughs> I mean, how, how is it to just, I don't know if you do this kind of thing still, but when you stop doing things like that, for me, it would be a kick to be in the public or, you know, getting known as that. And then you're starting to work as a constructor in a, in an office or, but you miss the, the kicks or, oh, you, you know, know like, like, like the adrenaline and the, yeah. yeah huh. Well, I mean, I, uh, I, when I got out of Speedway, uh, I missed it. And, and I think because your ego, you know, you're used to signing autographs and around people all the time. And I, I love the fans. I really did. I, you know, um, and Greg's the same way. He'll give the fans every minute of his time if he can. And I, I and I missed that a little bit. I, I actually, what I missed more than anything was winning races and competition. <clears throat> so that was tough for me because I, I ended it one day and I never raced again after that. Oh. I did a couple of exhibitions, but I didn't race anymore. So that was the hardest thing. Like I said before, racing 150 nights out of the year, to stopping it and, you know, having all the accolades and, and the people and the money (laughs) (laughs) with TV. Um, it was a lot more popular, uh, nationwide for us or worldwide. Um, and I started kind of, uh, not liking that I was, uh, cause I really enjoy my private life now. I'm not a big social media guy. I'm, I, I, I like Instagram because I like looking at pictures, but I, I don't do it really well. I don't, I'm, I don't do the Twitter thing or Twitter or whatever. Um, but, um, now now I, I, Steph and I, um, I like my private life. I, I, you know, um, I love being married and, and, uh, my kids, uh, it's, it's their turn. And, um, business is really good. I have a lot of employees, which takes a lot of time. So when I'm away from that, I just need to breathe. So there's a lot of pressure. I mean, and, and Grin can tell you this as world champion, you have to live up to the highest expectation that anyone would ever even freaking know. And in, in our lifetime, being a world champion, the percentage is so, so minimal. And so guys like Greg and, Ollie Olson, Ivan Major, Tony Richardson, all these guys, they know what it's like to become world champion and to live up to that expectation. It, you have this big old uh, uh, target on your back 24-7. You do one thing wrong and they'll beat your ass to death. And sometimes you deserve it, okay? There's a lot of those world champions that couldn't handle that. But it's tough to... to you know, when you are a world champion, to to be that world champion and to be a great person, not only a racer, but a person for the sport that you're representing, representing day in and day out. It's cool. I think that's the, the first time I actually heard something, heard someone say that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, you, you know, for me, I... Troy Lee always tells me too, you know, you surround yourself with, with specific people and he's always said, I try to surround myself with good people and people that are smarter than me and things like that and whatever. But you know, as a kid looking up to someone like Bruce, like everything he just outlined for me, I'm looking up to him and just going like, he was the guy that never said no to an autograph. Oh. You know, there, there's guys out there that are, that are, some are better than others. Right. But 
there's always, I always remember the guys that said no or didn't have the time for you. And I remember saying like, you go home with your tail between your legs thinking, oh man, I didn't get his autograph. He wouldn't speak to me. And I always have this, this crazy vision in my head as a kid, like, man, what a letdown. I'm so bummed. But then a guy like him always stopped. It didn't matter. It, it just a second. You just take that breath to give you that autograph. And that kid goes away like me or whatever goes away. And they have so much to talk about and they're so happy. So maybe I go kind of extreme sometimes. You know, and I, I have a hard time to walk away from that one more little kid. And even when we're getting drug away from a monster event or a big group, because we have to go to some meeting or a press conference or I still have like a, a sense of, I just let that poor little kid down who just wanted that one last photo, but I took like 50 one last photos on the way out, you know, <laughs> and still let that one guy down. And I'm thinking, Oh, that poor kid, he's going to hate me for that. You know? And, and but it's me. Okay. So, so in saying that Stefan, uh, Stefan, that's so Stefan. Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say Stefan, right. Cause I'm a Yank. No, he's, he's Stefan. Yeah. So in saying that, and you know, life is made up of millions of different personalities and that's Greg's personality. That's my personality. There's a lot of Speedway guys that don't look at it that way. And we can't really fault them for that because that's their personality. You'll never change it. Not that it's right to those little kids. I mean, you and I both agree to that, Greg. Oh, totally. All the time of your, that you can, because they look up to you and they appreciate it. And you want to make those little kids happy and walk away going, God dang it, man. I got Greg Hancock's autograph. And, and I love that a lot to see little kids love that sort of thing. I don't want to see them walking away crying because somebody didn't give them their autograph, you know, but that's our, our lives are made up of so many different personalities. I see that with my employees. And that's tough. It's tough to, to try to deal with all the different personalities in life. And you know what? Um, that's what I always say about Grin. It's like, okay, look at the championships that he won. That is huge, okay? That in itself is like history. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. But when you're the type of person he is, that means more to me now that I'm 61 years old. I look more at the, the personality of that person that has become world champion time and time again. I look more at the, at the, 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 the person more so than I do a champion. I, don't get me wrong. I think it's the best that these people win it. But when you win it and, and you're the type of guy that he is, that means more to me. Yeah, I can see that. Totally. Pretty kind. Yeah. <laughs> Now, now my head's growing. No, no, it's, it's the truth. I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I'm just telling you, I'm, look, I'm a straight-up guy, and, and you know, uh, uh, there's, as you know, there's a few of those guys out there that are the total opposite, man, and you're like, oh, yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. But, again, that's their way of life, you know? What no, do we do? For sure, and you look at the, you know, the, some of those guys that have won numerous championships, too, that aren't people persons, and – then I look up to them for the fact their determination to win a championship and what they will give up to, to get that championship, you know, and that's part of it too. You think, man, you know, that guy can, he has no problem just brushing everybody aside to go get the title, you know, and, and he got the title and that's what he went to get. And it doesn't matter. he's happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's like that admiration of, of desire and, and um, oh, I don't know, 
the determination to to be the best. You know, everyone's got a different way to look at it. Can you can you still hear us? <laughs> the line was. Oh, we we dropped you there for a second, dude. Oh, you know what happened? My phone rang. I was going to ask you, what do I do when that happens? I just declined it, so we're, we're good. Sorry about that. Hey, no, that's all right. That's that was good. good. That makes us feel better, too. <laughs> If I understand, when, when you first came to England, Bruce was there for you? No, not he. So Bruce retired on the, on the podium, as I said, there in, in 1982 in oh, Los yeah, Angeles. So, yeah. I was 12 when he retired. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say I heard a few rumors about the chips thing leading up to that championship. And you're going like, uh, even our parents, they know better. Don't say too much. My dad might've known, might not have known anything yeah. about what he just said, <laughs> but nobody really said too much. And, you know, and then when he stepped and he retired on the podium, it was just like, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, what the heck he knew it? You know, one of those deals. But as the story went, as I, as I progressed in my career and eventually got to the point where a club was interested in signing some, another American or a writer, which was Crayley Heath. They had contact with Bruce who made contact uh, with me and, and basically kind of put our names forward and gave us a good word. And that word of mouth going to the club that he raced for, which for me was like, that, is there any other club, right? Mm -hmm. So here is my hero. He went and did all this. He became world champion twice and retired on the podium and went to Hollywood. I'm just thinking like, man, dream come true. This is where it starts, you know, I'm going for it. So he, he basically initiated it and, and walked me right in the door with the right people, Eric Anderson at the time too. And um, yeah, so the story goes. Yeah, you know, it, I, I wish I could, Stefan, I wish I could take the credit for his accomplishments. Not, I mean, not even close. Yeah, I, I was done and he just, it was he did it all on his own we kind of laid the the runway for him a little bit but you can do that for millions of people and they they don't take the bull by the horns and go for it you know so uh um yeah it's 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 so funny you say that because i mean i, I was a cradley got bobby at cradley you know you and billy were at cradley and cradley heath back in those days was really uh it wasn't like a Wimbledon or, you know, one of the bigger sort of tracks, but, uh, man, I loved it there. Good old black country, Cradley Heath, man. And, and it's, so it was really cool for me to see that Greg and, and Billy Hamill went to, went to Cradley, man. It really, it really wasn't. Unfortunately that tracks no longer and I can't believe it, but it's yeah. just both the population and, you know, they're, they're kicking tracks out everywhere. It's the truth. And you know what, if, if you haven't heard, I, I did a recent podcast with, with Eric, uh, in the recent weeks and that you might, you probably haven't had a chance to hear it, but if you, if you get a chance, you should listen to it because he spends a lot of that time talking about crazy and all this stuff and, and the things you start to go, it's pretty funny. And it's quite it's funny in, in a very inspiring way because he talks about everything, how he got his accent and, you know, yeah. talking English and all that stuff. And he talks a lot about the time with you and, The most cool part about it is he talks about the World Team Cup in 1985 when, when oh. they came over to Long Beach. Oh my and God. Getting locked in the change rooms. And yeah. uh, it's, it's odd. That's how we started off the conversation. It was yeah. hilarious. I'll tell you what, Eric, I love that kid. I mean, <laughs> I I'm sorry to say kid, but he's, you know, when he came to Cradley, you know, he was, uh, 
really uh, Christian Pracebro, the late Christian Pracebro was, was really the guy that brought him to Cradley and, and, and Eric was kind of following him. And, and I was fortunate enough to, you know, to help Eric out the best I could. He was amazing as it was as a racer. Don't get me wrong. He was really good, but to, to see him away from the track, Oh my God, I laugh my ass off to this day. And he had such a strong black country accent, you know, that it's like, it's this little Dane talking black country. We, we just laughed our asses off and we'd have a fun few times, even away from the tracks, you know, and Heli was, was there with him and, and, uh, Eric in a, in sort of a mode you wouldn't expect him to see, but you know what? We, we all live life and it's, that's what life is all about. Live it to the best you can. Just remember you have a job to do the next day and you have to go do that. And all fun yeah. aside, you, then it's time to focus. But, uh, I had, I had some amazing times with Gunda the Wanda. I love that guy. I loved Heli. You know, they're good people. Unfortunately, I, I don't hear or see any of those people anymore, which is unfortunate. Peter Collins, you know, uh, I talk to Phil once in a while, but I, I miss all those people. I really do. Eric was with us from, from day one until I left. And, uh, you know, even with his accident, you know, it's uh, he's still an amazing guy. You know, the, the story he told about one of his first trips to LA and coming to your place and told some stories and we're talking Stefan couldn't be with me because I, I interviewed him at his place in Denmark a few weeks back. And uh, we were talking. I was setting up the computer, getting everything ready to go while we were talking. He started telling stories about his first trip over there. And I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not recording this right now. This is the- <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of the stuff that they did and where they went and how it all portrayed, you know. And I was like, and then suddenly I was like, then I hit play before he, he, when I knew he was finished with that part of the story. And then we elaborated on the rest. It was, I, I was so entertaining, you know, and hell is sitting across the table with him just going, he was so crazy. <laughs> you know, who else experienced the same was Michael Lee. However, yeah. Michael never recovered from that. No, right. <laughs> Got, I, uh, gotcha. Yeah. It was a, it's a lesson for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that Kelly Moran was the guy that influenced them all too. Kelly was the, the main guy. Yeah. We all were. I'm not blaming Kelly. There's no blame because we we enjoyed it, man. And this is our way of enjoying life from time to time. Kelly was absolutely Kelly's a bomb dude. I mean, the, yeah. that whole period. I was so lucky as we talked about and stuff. You know, he's learning more and more about the speedway world as we go, but all the people that for me to grow up in the, in the company of, of yourself and Bobby and John cook and Siggy and all these guys, I mean, the Moran brothers, they were always around my dad's place, you know, at some point, or we were fortunate to be in that area of Balboa, which was an assembly point for, <laughs> for numerous reasons. And well, you want to be in that area, right? I mean, Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. But every time I run into Jim Busby senior walking around Balboa Island, if I, I still run into here, here and there and he's like, I'm like, Amy's you still in the same place? He's like, best place in the world. Why would I ever leave? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, is there anything else, you know, north of the 405? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I would love it. No, I, those are some good times, man. But great times. We were pretty young back then. And, you know, that that's kind of what frightened us all was, well, we hope he picks up on the really good things that we're trying to show him on the track, not the fun we're having off the track, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know, the, the, the best part is, I mean, I remember a lot of parties and I remember a lot of good times and I remember falling asleep in the, in the, uh, the booth in El Ranchito and, you know, being a kid and, and the, the party continued. Right. So we, um, <laughs> my sister and I would be, uh, nope, we lost you. My sister and I would be asleep in the, in the table booth there so that, uh, the party could finish up and I, I don't remember even we weren't that far from home but still from El Ranchito on the peninsula there we still had to get back to Baba Island before the ferry shut otherwise you had to go around so <laughs> yeah the question is to my dad someday I haven't even had dad on the podcast yet but someday Uncle Bill I'm gonna say how did we get home <laughs> you don't know. we yeah. must have <laughs> good we must idea have, were we in a wagon or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do we have a boat no, I think at nine or ten you were probably driving home. Driving yeah. up. <laughs> Good That's why I you so you had to drive at a very young age. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, you know, some of the stories and I remember cooking separating his shoulder or something, going trying to jump down the hill off Coast Highway there pedaling back to the island because they missed a ferry. So it was <laughs> Yeah. It was yeah. Pretty, pretty pretty good times, but good times. <laughs> We learned a lot and, uh, yeah, it was probably the best school I think ever, you know, cause you, we were lucky and you, all you had to do is take it all in and, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, the good thing is, is like I just said, you learned the good things and some of those fun, fun things didn't really sink in too much for you. <laughs> well, dad threatened me enough, you know, if I did all of those fun things too much, you know, I wouldn't be riding speedway. So <laughs> fortunately, fortunately I wanted to ride, but you know, my nickname is grin and grin actually came from, from a guy who worked very close with Bruce and was involved with the speedway a guy named spike. And, uh, he nicknamed me grin back in the day. And I was, when I was pretty young, and, uh, you know, that's what Bruce always just said. I know we say things to him and, uh, he doesn't, he barely, he just nods his head and grins. And that's what <laughs> yeah. Mike just always said. He goes, I think your name's Grin. That's what we're going to call him. All he ever does is grin. We don't really know if he's listening, but he just grins. <laughs> yeah. And he did. He did. He just he never, he always had the grin on his face. Yeah. Spike. His last name was Crown Felter. And oh, what we used to say to him was the frowns when he felt her sort of thing. You know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. That is cool. It's pretty cool. So yeah. the best part is like, I never said a word then and look at me now I'm right on a podcast. I can smile and talk at the same time. Yeah. Right. Right. Hey dude, are you, are you still involved in speed with it in any way? Or you know, I, I don't have any involvement. I was helping uh, a couple of kids for a while that that, that kind of ended. Uh, we have the Connor Cup once a year. In fact, Greg was our grand marshal. Um, we that's one that's the, the opening night at Industry Speedway, and it's become a very good event. But I'm so busy with work um, that it's I, they actually had the uh, old the Legends Night. I call it old timers uh, last night. And, I've gone every year out there, but I, I, I wasn't able to make it last night because I'm out here uh, trying to get things at, at finished. But um, I still keep in touch with it. Uh, you know, I have somebody that I, I don't get to, you know, I don't watch any of the GPs, but I have somebody that texts me after every one of Greg's heats. So I'm, I'm filled in with that. Uh, with Mike Donaldson, he, he does a great job and he tells me everything, which is great. And I read the Speedway Star and Backtrack Magazine. Uh, 
Well, I look at the pictures a lot. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> That's reading. That's reading. It, it's, it's like for me, when I, um, I'm still lame, even with this podcast, I, I was like worried this morning, how do I do it? You know, but I figured it out. I can't believe that. And my wife went <laughs> around my kids to show me. So, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just, uh, I, I, I stay in touch with it, but I, I don't have a lot to do with it. It's pretty cool. I wouldn't figure this podcast thing out either if it wasn't for Stefan. So <laughs> uh, I'm lucky to have that, that guy on my side. <laughs> you had pretty good directions for me, even with the text that you had. I'm surprised. I mean, I only learned how to text a few years ago. Well, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but uh, you had good directions, man. I followed them and I got it and it was, it was great. Worked out well, I, I, I still, sometimes I don't say much. But I just listen. <laughs> and i'm figuring it out so it's, yeah. he can't even answer any questions because i'm talking so damn much <laughs> i like that <laughs> it, it's pretty awesome so we're getting it all figured out but yeah uh, uh bp one more thing i i heard uh obviously our mutual friends donnie odom andy johnson all these guys i know that you guys do a lot of mutual things together with the business and what have you but um, Donnie had mentioned that he had asked you to do some, uh, speaking at, for some clients or, or something at one of their gatherings to be like a, a motivational speaker or a, or a special guest to speak, something like that. Have you done that before? Uh, yeah, quite, quite a bit. Um, I don't know about motivational <laughs> me. <laughs> well, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I speak in quite a few things. And what I'm really involved with now is, uh, what's called drive for life. It's a program that, uh, the Corona police department puts on and it's, it's, uh, it's a, um, uh, a conference four times a year. They bring all these kids that had prior, uh, tickets. They can erase them by going through this. So anyway, uh, it's all day long. And I, I go there and speak about, uh, drinking and driving. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the Connor thing. And, you know, they show these gory, uh, uh, videos all day long and they, they scare the crap out of these kids into thinking that it's, you know, it's not right to drink and drive and not right to text and drive. And I'm, I'm huge, uh, with that. Um, and, and I'll tell you when they hear my story, because, you know, uh, their lives will change overnight. It, it means a lot more to them than just watching gory, gory movies on their video. I mean, that's important, but when somebody experiences it and, and uh, the way it's changed our family's lives, um, you know, I, I hate going to them because I, you know, I, I, it, it kicks my ass. Um, but I feel that it, if it, I used to say if it, if it helps one or two people, I've done my job. I've gotten a little greedy. I want it to help freaking hundreds of people now. And, um, you know, it's, it's just not acceptable. And, and, uh, um, I, I just want people to know what, what, uh, it, it takes, you know, one stupid little mistake to drink and get behind the wheel, wheel and kill someone that how it will change your life and a million other people, how it will change their lives. And, um, they, they don't understand it until they hear it from the, from the horse's mouth, you know, and it, it has, it, uh, it, this, this club that we belong to is, is effed up, man. It's really jacked. And, uh, I, I can't begin to tell you how, how much, um, you know, we miss Connor and, uh, you know, um, 
Sure. You know, it's been six years and it's gotten what I say has gotten a little softer, not easier, but uh, it's in, it's changed our entire lives, you know. So anyway, I, I didn't mean to go there. It, it kicks my ass. But yeah, I, I want to try to, you know, uh, at least uh, try to get to these kids because it's not right to drink and drive. It's not right to text and drive. You know, people talk about how many people's lives are lost now with guns. Yeah, they are. But we lose 10,000 lives a year from drinking and driving. 10,000 a year. Just in just the United States. You know? Oh. And they talk about guns. We lost 200 last year. I mean, we do realize that. I mean, they don't. They, they all think that it's okay. Um, it's not okay. Same thing. Don't get in a car with somebody that's been drinking and driving. So, you know, I didn't mean to go that direction guys, but you know, it means a a ton to us and and our family. And like I said, if two or five or 20 people listen to this and don't do it, uh, I've done my job. So that's, that's a kind of, uh, as far as my speaking engagements go, I I, I do a lot of ones with with, uh, Donnie Odom and, and Andy Johnson was we also women in construction and and um it's uh, these are fulfilling for me they're great I, I i enjoy them and if i can uh share my experience that's um I've, I've uh done my job so i'm fortunate and i'm i'm so thankful uh you know to have done what i've done in in my life um i've also experienced the really really uh, bad side of life you know was losing my parents with um losing Connor and so so you know I've, I've got both sides of sorts of the story to sort of tell so uh, that's kind of what uh, what they like to I don't know if they like to listen to it but that's what I the story I tell yeah and I, don't, I haven't really elaborated too much for Stephen too about your losing both your parents and Siggy's mom too right in the in the plane crash when you guys were young his parents died on the way back from a ski trip what about it and I think it's so strong that you can talk about it and, and do things. So I think that we should thank you because then maybe it doesn't happen to us. It hurts. You know, it's amazing. It, it's, uh, like I tell everybody, I mean, I'm just, I got cold chills and, uh, you know, it's like I said, it gets a little softer and a little easier, a little easier to talk about, but it's, it just kicks my ass every time I bring it up, you know? I mean, there's not a, not a, not a minute that goes by during the day that, you know, we're not thinking about Connor and our parents and, you know, my wife lost her, her mom and dad, you know, about five or six years ago too. So we understand, we understand life, you know, and, and that's going to happen. Um, my parents were only 45 years old. I was 18 when that happened, but Connor was 21 and it's, it's just not right to, uh, to, to have one of your kids leave before you, you know, it's tough. Yeah, absolutely. Tough. Well, you're, I mean, this story for us is, you know, it's, it's every time you, you and I talk about things like this, or this, this subject does come up for all the right reasons, not, not anything negative. It's always inspiring to hear that. And it always, every time you pick up the phone when you're in the car or you think about somebody, I would never drink and drive. And, you know, I've been in the car with many that have, and it, it's a constant reminder. I'm around a few at the moment who got some issues that we're trying to, you know, (laughs) motivate to think wisely, you know, but, um, these kind of things are great. They name their company as Connor Construction, and uh, all the all their equipment is painted in their black and green colors from their racing days. And you know, there's so much more to it. And Bruce has been a world he's been a world champion in boat racing too, with the number 81 
and this Connor was number 81. So there's, there's the whole story is rad, you know, you could, they could go on for hours talking about it, but Connor's an inspiration. He's an amazing kid. Was an unbelievable kid. So different from his brother, Ryan. Yes. They both had this crazy adrenaline rush and I didn't really ever get a chance to know them really well, but when you saw them, you felt it didn't take long to get to know them, you know, they're so, so easy going. So. The storm, man. I got ghost bombs in there too. Shit. It's, we're talking about 45 again, you know, uh, so, uh, we talked, I, I mean, I, I had one 45, then went to 45 and, uh, then I turned because Ryan was my oldest, second oldest, but Ryan was the oldest racing. So I gave him the 45 Well, my dad was 81 and then I had 81 on the boats and gave Connor the 81. You know, so that's why, that's why I see 81. So it's like, how did Ryan get the 45? And well, of course, Greg really holds the number up to the highest standard. <laughs> all the numbers are just through family. I love it. Well, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really cool. Like you said there, I mean, leading <laughs> to that too. So you, you went from motorcycles, you went to boats. So when are you going to start racing planes? Dude, there's, I'm, I can't even get in the commercial flight. It scares the crap out of me. I'm like such a person <laughs> anymore. I, I am. I just, man, I, I'm, I'm good on the ground. I haven't even ridden a motorcycle in four years, but not at all. I know I brought mine out here, uh, because I, in the winter, it's good riding around here. So I'm going to ride in the winter with Siggy and a few of the others, but, uh, I'm still involved with the company. I'm, I'm worried because perhaps maybe I have that, stupid mentality that i can kind of go fast on a motorcycle <laughs> fall and get hurt or something and i just can't i can't be away from the office so <laughs> that's cool you still got that thought in there, uh, that, still there. That's, a good thing. that's like not a good mentality at 61 years old let me tell you because i man, i'm a big puss like i said <laughs> well, well, Troy, I, I had uh, I went for a mountain bike ride with Troy before I came back this year, and uh, he was so funny because he said the same. He's like, you know, I started racing mountain bike again. I started racing some motocross, but I didn't tell my wife after his bad crash, you know, a couple years ago. And he's like, so she's like, I saw you were racing again. Were you actually out racing again? So he had entered in a race and went did it, didn't tell her. Oh, <laughs> she kind of bummed out, and he was like, well, I just realized, you know, I love it so much. If I'm going to die, I might as well die doing something I like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, my God. So yeah. it's classic. It's pretty funny. I, I kind of like my recliner chair, so I hope I don't die in my recliner chair. You know, that's what I like to do. But Oh, that's different. Troy, he talked me into, oh, I got the people here. So Troy Lee talked me into buying one of these badass electric bikes, and I bought oh, one. God. I have oh. it for a year, and it's badass, dude. I pass everybody. Well, when I ride it, and, yes. and I feel like I'm cheating. I don't give a shit because yes. I but it's, it's brand new. Hey guys, I got a jam, man. They're all my construction people here. They want to start working. I I apologize. Hey, hey party on! <laughs> Thank you for for the time. Thank you guys, Grin. Keep up the great work. I love what you're doing. I love you dearly, man. Thank you. Say hello to the family, okay? We'll do, bro. We love you too. Thanks again for your time. Give give everybody our hellos, and we'll see you when we see you. Thanks for having me on the real forty five. I love it. I don't talk, talk a lot, but anyway, thanks for having me. That's what we do. <laughs> see you, dude. Yeah. <laughs>
Thanks, Stefan. Thanks. Welcome to Real 45 with Stefan and Greg Hancock. We vibe out and have real talk, so tune in and check this out. Yeah, today is a new day. Let's season now and get hype. We talking about our careers, our family, and just life. Yeah, share my story with you. Inspiration like every day. Real 45, we gon' keep it live. I keep episodes on replay. Hey, Real 45. Yeah, Real 45. Show them how we do it, man. Yeah.